WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi. So thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell his story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. You guys are the center of the universe today. At least the political universe. I believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshfield guys, yes, no? Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from Marshfield in this room right now. And it's you. It's me. I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Oh, I'm honored to be on your show tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have. I believe our guest that we've been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie good. Baker. You ready? i got to tell you that uh, it was really nice to hear Aerosmith on the intro there. You're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that. But <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming Tsai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are tuned into Monday Night Talk here at 95.9 WAT. D. Can you not believe it is two weeks until Christmas? Actually, Christmas falls on a Monday night. Who would know? So does it New Year's. But uh, we have a great show lined up for you. Uh, we're going to kick things off in a few moments. Uh, he's sitting here uh, waiting to uh, enlighten you as to all his work up at the State House. Uh, joining us in a couple of moments after I give you a rundown is State Senator Mike Brady. Senator, how are you? Good. We've been very busy, but things are going good. So, as you see, he's he's ready. He's ready to talk. He's ready to rock and roll. And that's good. Um, and then uh, following this, we're going to talk a little bit more about the current in Weymouth, sitting in on that conversation, uh, will be best-selling author Casey Sherman. Uh, he'll pop in. But then Casey is going to be uh, joining me for a bit to chat about um, uh, some of the things that are going on as far as some of the bestsellers that are out there. And talk about some of his books. If you're looking for options for for the holidays, I definitely would look at some of... Some of the some of the books that he has put out, some of the things that he has done with Dave Wedge, but uh, he wants to talk about the best movies and books of the year. So we look forward to that, uh, and then we'll close things out with a good friend, um, Sheldon Goldberg, uh, as he has released released his new novel, The Last Fall. Uh, looking forward to uh, uh, talking about that. This is a story about wrestler Ricky Pacheco. I think it's Pacheco. Uh, as he, uh, from stumbling into the world wrestling uh, professional of of uh, wrestling at the age of 11 to the end of his in-ring career in 99. Uh, this is a story about uh, his life and his career. Uh, so we'll definitely look to talk about this. This being, again, Sheldon's first Novel, okay. So, how are we doing, Senator? Talk. Uh, are you ready for the holidays? Well, being a single guy, I'm always a last minute shopper, as, as you know. But oh. um, I do make the rounds. I get to uh, Hanover to shop at some jewelry stores, and then I do the local shopping. I marched in an East Bridgewater Christmas holiday parade last weekend, so I started my Christmas shopping there at the high school. They have different novelties they sell, and I'm able to pick up some things there. Nice. And plus, it helps out the local community. 
the week before we had the Brockton Christmas holiday parade. Uh, Mary Walden and the DBA did a fantastic job volunteering, getting everything organized. Johnny Marion. Yeah, Johnny Marion. The, the parade marshal. Yes, he hosted it too. And I don't get that. So yeah, again, and this is a guy, and you, I, you know, I'm not talking out of school here with you because you've witnessed this and you've participated in many of the Greater Brockton holiday parades. But usually, anytime you, there's a certain point in the parade in the procession where you pass by the Brockton Community Access TV crew, and there's the table and usually yes. you got you know the Mark Lindy's and you got John who's there and sometimes Paul, his brother Paul is there and every now and then John will get up and he'll dan- dance amongst the the parade participants I did ask uh, Mayor Robert Sullivan a couple of weeks ago uh, prior to the parade how they were going to try to find a way to keep John from dancing mm-hmm. uh, around in the parade he goes we don't know we're still working those details out well, John helped organize it for many, many years, but um, the members of the Downtown Business Association, the Downtown Brockton Association, led by Mary Walden, who also oversees and the head of the Old County Planning Council, the one Yeoman works for all of Plymouth County, mm-hmm. um, she helped uh, organize it, volunteering with many other volunteers, and everything went off. It was a beautiful, sunny day. A little cool. We honored Ladder Company one prior in the morning at, at the first fire station on Pleasant Street that had electricity. That goes back to the Huss and Buggy days. Hopefully we'll get a new public safety building built by next year with a new police station, fire station, and Brockton Emergency Management. That that fire station, we do have a fire museum up on Pearl Street, but that, that old fire station should be a historic museum as well because that was the first fire station in the country with electricity as Thomas Edison came down to do that first fire district with the first block with electricity. Very, you know, it's it's funny, the history that is uh, within, you know, that, that, that the city of Brockton possesses. Again, you, you just talked about one little nugget, you know, and there's, there's so many other pieces of history that uh, Brockton has. It's, it's in, in so this, interesting. And this, as we know, you know, the Pilgrims landed in, in Plymouth, but this district in Plymouth County, you know, the 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 um, piece of the treaty was signed with, at Station Rock with Massasoit, and then we had the King Philip Wars afterwards, and... Uh, you know, we've gone through a lot of changes, but some things, because it's a historic area, remains the same down here. But uh, a lot of work going on. You know, housing is a big need all across mm-hmm. the country, but specifically in the districts that we represent in the Commonwealth. You know, the governor's got a very extensive, aggressive policy. We need uh, housing. I get calls every day from people looking, young families that are starting out just out of college. They can't afford apartments, never mind to buy a house, and they, there's not enough supply out there. And then elderly people, I have people that are empty nests, their spouses might have passed on. They love to live in the community, but there's not enough over 55 units there. Some in the Bridgewaters, but we only have, uh, you know, the one in Brockton, which is where the Skyview Driving used to be, and sure. then one other one off Westchester Street. But there's a big need because, you know, uh, heating costs has gone through the roof. It's it's a lot for a single person who's a, a widow or widower to heat and occupy their house with all these utility costs. And uh, the good news, though, the gas prices have finally come down a little bit, and interest rates have come down. But mm. there's always that fear because they were up a couple months ago. And, and again, I don't know how, how anybody can afford a house these days. I'm lucky when I bought my house, interest rates were low. I bought it probably 15, 20 years ago in my old neighborhood off of Pleasant Street. And I'm still in a great neighborhood. I've got some of the families that I grew up with. They're still in the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, we grew up like most kids playing street hockey and basketball and all of that. And a lot of good memories growing up in the community. 
If you're just tuning in, we are fortunate to be speaking with State Senator Mike Brady is our, our guest. You mentioned uh, Skyview, uh, one of the uh, many drive-ins that uh, were part of our youth. Uh, you either went to Avon, you went to Skyview, unless you traveled up to, to Braintree and you, you would go you would go up there. Uh, any memories of, of going to the, the drive-in, or was there a particular movie that you saw at the drive-in that you still remember to this day? Well, I can remember my sister, with her boyfriend at the time, my sister got married and she passed away several years ago now, she lived in women, but she she brought me in with her to see Dirty Harry, and oh. I was probably too young, but she got me in there because I was with her. She was a, an adult in her 20s then and with her future husband, and I saw that at the Skyview Drive-In. And then some drive-ins, it was $5 a carload, but some were per person. Yeah. So people used to put people in the, in the trunk, trunk to sneak yep. them in, and then sometimes we'd bust their chops, not let them out afterwards, you know? <laughs> My The one movie I remember going to Avon was uh, Damon Omen 2. Uh, that's kind of the you know the the spawn of Satan per se. Yeah, uh, and I still and then the next one was something about worms. Mm-hmm. We didn't stay long enough for that one, but definitely uh, definitely memories. And then Jaws was the one that people were afraid one, to go yeah, to the beach afterwards. Sure. So you got you are all you got all your documents. All, he is spread out, and folks, you can't see it because radio is not a visual medium. But he's ready to like he's ready to talk about some of the things that are that that he's been working on. A kind of little bit of a year in wrap up to to get his take on some of the things that he's doing, or even talk local or talk holidays. Uh, you know, uh, right now, um, if you will, where, where do you want to start? I mean, well, what's- the, the biggest thing that we finally got signed and the governor signed it was a supplemental budget, and it took so long; it was very frustrating because. All these contracts with municipal and state and local employees and and Plymouth County employees and the unions, they all were uh, negotiating in good faith. They signed the contracts roughly six months ago. Unfortunately, it should have been done six months ago, but there was other things in that legislation about immigration and everything else that held up some of the uh, movement on that. And we passed it in the Senate, passed it in the House, but it got late to us, and then you know, there was some uh, disagreements, and usually after the debates happen, and once it passes the end of the House, it, it goes to a conference committee, they work it out, and if there's a difference between the House of Representatives and the Senate, you get it done and you vote on it. We finally got it done after a lot of deliberations, and there was a lot of delays put in, like calling for quorum roll calls, but it finally got done, and the governor signed it, so that's important funding for a lot of our working groups out there. Uh, and then... You know, there was a big disparity about how immigration situations are going on. And we, we even asked when there was delays in that bill, we sent a letter to the leadership to try to separate the two things, get the contracts and funding from municipalities. Special ed money for education was in that supplemental budget, so important for our education sector. So we tried to separate just to get it done and deal with the other stuff later. But either way, it finally got done at the, as you know, the 11th plus hour. Mm. So that was signed, and, and that's good. We can move forward. I serve as the uh, chairman of public service. We're dealing with a lot of different state and local employees on different sick leave banks and so forth to take care of people who are disabled. But I also serve as vice chairman of revenue and vice chairman of public safety. So we had a revenue hearing this past week as well. And as we know, things are tough 
Um, home sales are still through the roof, but other sales like your ticket items, whether it be washers or dryers, high ticket items in the department stores, the sales tax revenue has been down because people don't have as much expendable money out there. Right. So that revenue has been down this year. And a couple other things in the stock market where it fluctuates. I mean, some people made a killing when times are good, but some of the things that people try to bid on or invest in were down. So revenue is down. For the past three months, we luckily have a savings account, which is a, the um, so-called rainy day account. Back when Speaker Finneran was a speaker, he started like you or I having our own savings account. So we've got enough money in the surplus to cover all the bills and keep things ahead of the game. But you've got to be prepared for that tough times. And usually when people file, especially the corporations, they do extensions on filing their taxes. The month of October is usually a big influx of revenue, but... Since August, September, October, and we'll get the numbers for November, revenue has been down these past three months. And, and the projections from the experts are saying it may be down as we go into 2024. In 2025, they're thinking revenue is up. We did have all the department heads like the treasurer and everybody else come before us. Lottery sales have been doing good. Other things have been doing good. But we, we did ask about this um, you know, the the um, uh, marijuana business, you know, with all these yeah. so-called stores of ca- cannabis, and they didn't have a specific answer on that because, now, to me, depending on where they are, it seems like they're overkill. They're all it, private. It's saturated. You, yeah. the, the, the market is saturated. And it's crazy, and yeah. there's, like, in some communities, they're on every street corner, it seems, and it's up to the local communities to allow how many they right. want to allow, but... And it's it's a private sector, so if they don't survive, they don't survive. But there's a lot of revenue that they had to pay just to get the licenses and the fees. So we'll find out how much revenue came in from that. Uh, so I wanted to kind of back. It's funny you mentioned about the lottery. I was in a, a convenience store the other day, and I was amazed at how many scratch tickets they have and the cost. I mean, people are clamoring for the the 20 the 30 the $50. Yeah. Uh, paying $50 for a scratch ticket is mind-blowing. But but knowing that there's a lot of them, there's a higher return than if you buy like a $1, 2 $5 scratch ticket. I'm like, but when, where does it stop? Is there, like, is there and, a $100? Is it going to soon be a $100 scratch and, ticket? And those, those $50 tickets have been selling off the shelves. It's crazy. Yes. And it's like the gaming legislation that passed, too. I mean, the Gaming Commission only approved two casinos and one slot power, but um, they had a right to approve up to three. They never approved the one in Brockton. But that's revenue coming in and jobs. But we also got to worry about the addiction with gambling. And right. there is revenue in that gaming licensing that has money to help people with addictions, but it's tough to keep a track on it. I mean, even the local clubs that have a lottery now, um, you know, sometimes people spend too much money. Keno is a is a great revenue booster for the local establishments, but as you mentioned, you'll see somebody spending all sorts of money sitting there all night I do. playing Keno. And, uh, I see that. I've been to Encore a couple of times. Yeah. The, missus, the missus likes going there. We'll go, we'll get a meal, and then, you know, she'll... She'll play a few slots and then we'll retire for the evening, usually in one of the nice rooms that they have in there. It's a, it's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you kind of walk around. Myself, I'm not a gambler. I kind of go there just to kind of hang out, you know, because we're, you know, we're one in the same. Right. And, and you know, spend some time with her. But just to kind of see, you know, now that the, 
you know, the, the, the luster is off the diamond. Now that this is like something that's commonplace, you know, usually there, there are people you see kind of just kind of hanging around, lingering. A lot of them doing the, the sports betting. You know, you can watch the different games. It's like hearing the guys chatter like, oh, you know what? If they scored one more run, I would have gotten, I would have won this. It's like, it's, it's just interesting to kind of be there. You know, it, it's like if you, when you used to go to the random dog track, it's the same way. Or if you go to your local pub, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of somewhat similar as well. But it's just interesting as to how, how gambling has kind of evolved from being that number that you gave to a local bookie to now it's, you know, it's something that is commonplace. You go and you spend X amount of money and hopefully you get something back, get a return on your investment. Yeah, my father used to go down the Rainham track. He passed away in 01 after a couple of strokes. But he, he didn't gamble much, but he'd go down there to shoot the breeze with the yeah. old time and have a cup of coffee or whatever. And it was his social life, you know. We have a couple of minutes left here. and I wanna, is there, Are there a couple of essential things you want to make sure that we we touch upon that, that you've been working on, that your colleagues have been working on, You know, knowing that we're kind of cl- we're getting ready to close up the first half of the legislative session? Anything you want to kind of talk about the well, year that was? Well, a lot of communities depend on funding from the Commonwealth. We passed the regular budget back in, in the end of July, yep. delivered more local aid to local communities, education funding with the Student Opportunity Act, the Fisher Amendment. That's been so crucial. Um, in the sub-budget, which I mentioned we finally got done. And then a couple other things. We passed the pharmaceutical bill. As we know, health costs are through the roof. People's mm-hmm. pharmacy. I mean, I take cholesterol pills myself and high blood pressure. We put some legislation in the Senate. did not go through the House yet, but we're hoping it gets passed to cap some of the cost of all of the essentials, you know, diabetes issues, um, high blood pressure, cholesterol, to put a cap on that because, the, the, no, and unless you've got decent insurance and, you know, the HMOs are out there, these other companies, but it's tough for the average consumer with cost of these prescriptions. And, and I go to CVS and, and sometimes you're waiting in line, they're so backed up there. It's crazy. So we did put a cap on that. And then I know there's been a lot of signs out in Plymouth County about the gun legislation. So the House passed a gun bill that did not come before the Senate. It was initially a House docking number, and the Senate never took anything up like I the think House it was did. 4420, but then it changed. Yes. Yep. So they passed their own version. Um, we did have a hearing before the Public Safety Committee. There's several different gun bills. It's not just that one bill to look at gun legislation, but we're hearing from both sides. And, you know, there's a big thing about ghost guns and illegal guns. And, mm-hmm. you know, then these these unfortunate situations with mass school shootings that you see every day. Um, we're not trying to hurt the local legal gun owners that want to go hunting or have recreational or belong to the gun cubs. But, you know, ghost guns and these other things that they can get over the Internet, that's a big Big situation. So I don't think anything's going to pass before the Senate, before the first of the year, and it may not be what the House passed, but we're looking into hearing from both sides of the of the ticket, the pros and cons, and we want to hear from the consumers what your concerns are. You know, the biggest issue about they can't hunt on Sundays, they want to hunt, hunt on Sundays, so that's coming up before this legislation. So we'll weigh out all the pros and cons about this. But again, what passed in the House did not come before the Senate as of yet. There's about 10 to 20 bills currently going through the Public Safety Committee. They had a hearing about a week ago on that. And, and then we're concerned about revenue. Um, you know, some districts are doing great, some are not. Um, you know, we, some voted for overrides because they were worried about their police coverage and so forth. And I am listening to a lot of bills with home rule petitions regards to civil service 
before the uh, Public Service Committee. And we have a committee that was formed to deal with civil service, the, the testing for these promotions. It has been upgraded in 30, 40 years. Yeah, you've got a, you've got a lot of communities that want to take certain high-ranking department head uh, positions, whether it's, let's say it's police chief, uh, deputy chief, whether it's fire chief. They want to take it out of civil service. Yeah, we got about 20 bills, and we're weighing yeah. it all out, predominantly in the police departments more than other departments. But... Um, and usually home rule petitions fly right through, but there's a lot of discussion. And there was a civil service commission formed last year um, that didn't finalize. So we, we finally got it back in fruition this year. And we're hoping to have some meetings on that as well. But uh, if anybody wants to reach me on anything important to them, my number at the office is 617-722-1200. And then my email is michael.brady at masenate.gov. I want to hear from the residents that I represent. My district, as you know, has changed, Kevin. It, I used to have Hanover and Easton. I no changed longer have it. those two towns of Plimpton. I still have Brockton, Whitman, Hanson, Halifax, and East Bridgewater. But now I have Avon and part of Randolph. I served with Senator Timothy on. Very nice. Well, well, we have you just for another moment or two. Um, big plans for the holidays. What, what, what does what does Senator Brady do for for Christmas? What do you do for New Year's? Do you do you have a tradition, or have you started new traditions? Well, being single and not having any children, I I spent time with my girlfriend and her family, and then I also go over my brother's house. He passed away four years ago. And Bob I, my, Brady. Yeah, he was Great he was guy. a good Brady, and from Avon and. I stop by his house and make the rounds. I, but as you know, I belong to a lot of organization and clubs, and it's sometimes overkill. The other night, the Martella business had an event. The um, Sons of Italy had an event. I I belong to several other things, and sometimes if I can't make it, I'll send one of my legislative aides. I know the old county planning council had an event, but I've got uh, another event tonight to attend to, and then this weekend we, we are planting wreaths at the um, cemetery in Brockton. Mary Walden organized that every year at yep. Melrose for the veterans going back to World War One and Two and the Civil War. And then I have some we events in Randolph. Yes, absolutely. And I want to thank all the veterans. I know, you know, December 7th, D-Day there. And uh, we have to honor all of our veterans because we wouldn't be here to have a concise conversation with us as friends in in the in the public events we have if not for the veterans and it's tough around the holiday season you know we just had some loss in japan with that um aircraft. yeah yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah the osprey going down yep yeah so um, and they've, grand, they've since grounded all those until correct, they figure out what the problem but, is yep you know and then what's going on in ukraine and the middle east with israel and hamas it's very tough out there so and we got to protect our own borders as well so I just want to say thank you and God bless to all the veterans out there. There he is. He is State Senator Mike Brady. He has been our guest. He's part of the great lineup of legislators that that Money Night Talk is fortunate to have on a regular rotation to kind of talk about what they're doing, provide that that transparency. Probably one of the only shows uh, that has these these individuals on on a regular basis to kind of talk about these things. And you get to hear it not just from one party or the other, but we try to give everybody a, a fair shake behind the microphone. We're going to step aside. And when we, we come back, more Monday Night Talk right here on 95.9 WATD. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. Are you worried about your drinking? Or is someone else worried about your drinking? Alcoholics Anonymous has a solution. There is no shame in living with a disease called alcoholism. 
Regardless of your age, employment, or any other circumstances in your life, you deserve help from other individuals who understand what you are going through. Alcoholics Anonymous is here for you 24-7 at aa.org. Find online meetings at aaboston.org. Eat, drink, and socialize at the patio at McWiggins in Whitman Center. Sit down with a specialty cocktail and start your meal off with a patio sampler with chicken wings, egg rolls, potato skins, fried cauliflower, and chicken and biscuits. Watch the game on seven 55-inch monitors while digging into braised short ribs, fish tacos, fig and goat cheese flatbread, or koji steak tips. Relax and listen to the live entertainment at the patio every Friday and Saturday night. And don't forget, McWiggins Pub next door. They're located at 546 and 552 Washington Street in downtown Whitman. Follow Monday Night Talk on Twitter. Start at 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. And don't forget to add hashtag Monday Night Talk to your tweets. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. Hey, I want to thank uh, State Senator Mike Brady for stopping on by and joining us for uh, a bit. And the conversation, it moves along. Uh, we start with uh, kind of introducing, he's going to be the 7 o'clock segment, but he's kind of my co-host for this segment because he's kind of in the know when it comes to the current in <laughs> That's right. So uh, Casey Sherman, best-selling, uh, New York Times best-selling author. Thank you. Yeah, Kevin, you know, I mean, this is the first time I've been in the co-host seat. Normally I'm uh, at another microphone, so pressure's off for now, but I'm excited to chat with my friends here about a very interesting uh, property here on the South Shore. And, and it's a conversation that we, we had a, a few weeks ago. We mm-hmm. thought that it was warranted to extend it a little bit more, maybe uh, kind of reinforce a few things. We have uh, Eileen Mahoney. She is the executive director of the current Weymouth. It's Welcome great, back. Great to be here. It's great to see you, Kevin. And uh, you have brought along with you, we have Taylor Burns, and she is director of sales. Excellent. Thanks for having us. Welcome to the show, Taylor, formally. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, we so we're here, again, to talk a little bit more about The Current and what's going on over there. Again, I had a chance to, to take a tour. I kind of did, uh, as I said in our previous conversation, for a selfish reason, because I actually have a, a, a loved one who is in need of uh, of care, round, clock, round the clock care, but also a, a betterment of uh, quality of life is everything. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. and I wanted to take a look, and I was I was impressed. Thank you with with what I saw. But the the thought was to have you back. Maybe there were things we didn't touch upon, right. or maybe the things we wanted to uh, reinforce. I Eileen. love it. Thank you so much, Kevin. Um, Well, first and foremost, I think for anybody who is joining us for the first time, let me just share with you a little bit more about the current Weymouth. Uh, We just, when we first spoke, we had just opened. So we now have uh, three weeks under our belts, and um, our beautiful community is, uh, it's a showcase. It is just absolutely beautiful. But what's really nice about the current Weymouth is that as beautiful and spectacular as the community is, there's also a warmth and a friendliness um, because after all this is our residence home so we we would have it no other way um, we provide the spectrum of care we cater to uh, very independent activi- uh, active seniors as well as anyone who is needing a little bit more care under our assisted living neighborhood 
and also memory care. Memory care, our neighborhood is just very, very special. It's on the first floor, and it is just, it's beaming with light. Uh, It's just the physical uh, neighborhood is just spectacular for uh, catering to anybody with memory impairment and and such. And uh, we're moving more and more residents in each week. And what's been interesting is that we're attracting residents in all three of our neighborhoods. Um, And what we're finding is there's such a huge benefit to so many of the couples there um, that are able to move into whichever neighborhood suits them and uh, meets their needs. So we're keeping couples together, which has always been our goal, and it will continue to be our goal. Definitely. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that you reinforced a few times is, mm-hmm. is, is the bond in the couples. If they may mm-hmm. have uh, differences in, in care, right. that you can accommodate them exactly. and that they, they can be able to stay together. They may be in different neighborhoods, right. but right. yet they would still be able to. Is that right, Taylor? Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing more rewarding than seeing a couple that's been married 60 plus years be able to stay within the same community and have dinner together, to have activities together. Something even as simple as sitting by your fireplace, being able to hold hands, you mm-hmm. know, every night. It's that is why we do what we do, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's truly um, it, it, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. It's a privilege. It is. Casey, do you want to jump in for a second? Sure. You know, I mean, you know, you hear the words community and you hear the words neighborhoods. And, and that, you know, it's really interesting when you when you when you walk in and you take the tour and I'm in my mid fifties and I'm thinking, geez, this is a great place for, for me and my wife to live. You know, how young or how old do I have to be to uh, you know uh, um, get a unit? But the, you know, the place is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a real community for the active lifestyle. You've got you know a wine bar, you've got a pub, you've got yoga, you've got a you know a, a, a you know kick ass gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a hair salon, uh, juice bar. There are so many things for people to really take advantage of. I love the fact, too, that it's centrally located. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really a short drive from the highway, uh, very close to Hingham, Derby Street Shops, close to Boston when you need to go there. And as you transition, you know, into your later stages of life, it's interesting how there, there's no, nothing that the folks at the current haven't thought of. Um, when I toured, what really struck me was we were out in the garden, and I uh, I was shown, I think by you, Taylor, these mailboxes mm-hmm. uh, that are in the garden, and the mailboxes are there because, you know, people with memory care used to go out and get their mail from their mailboxes. and this Newspapers. Is newspapers, <laughs> like and it that, was yeah. just mm-hmm. a little touch of home that you really don't see anywhere else. It's so true, Casey, and I'll add one other thing about our location. We are attracting from all areas, all surrounding towns, um, and we're in such close proximity to the South Shore Health Groups. Um, We have uh, built a very strong partnership uh, with many entities of South Shore Health, um, allowing our residents with easy access. Um, We provide transportation for them wherever they may go, whether it is for their own health reasons or for just fun. Um, we have uh, several vans to be able to transport our residents to wherever they want to go. Um, but one of the exciting things right now is when we first found out we were opening October, November time frame, and we thought, oh, my goodness, the holidays. Mm. But it's turning out to be such a joy 
to see this beautiful community and everything it has to offer and how the families are embracing it and um, really honoring some of their family traditions. I have so many examples where we have been able to um, already um, assign certain areas throughout the community for families, for um, the holidays, the upcoming holidays, and um, we're booking up. And it's just really wonderful that they're enjoying the space um, the way it was meant can we talk about the the about family tradition and how sure. important that is and how you're able to have various spaces whether again sight lines are important mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. current mm-hmm. and and being able to if, if folks wanted to be gathered in one room that right. you have multiple conference rooms and Absolutely. ways to do this correct right mm-hmm. and it's really more than conference rooms it's just really beautiful living spaces mm. um with fireplaces and um and families want to be able to enjoy a meal together. And um, just to use Thanksgiving as an example, several of our residents uh, used uh, the spaces. And what was so beautiful is two of the families, at least, if not more, they stayed most of the afternoon and they played games mm-hmm. and um, they visited with each other, all the different uh, generations. Uh, we have a resident who recently moved in and one of the things that we started to talk about were her 19 grandchildren and how exciting it was going to be for them to see her new home. Um, so we are in the throes of uh, planning a pizza party for all 19 and, and, and more. Um, those are the those are the things that uh, really resonate with it being their home, and how you can have multiple residents throughout your community, but there's a space for everyone who wants to join and and use those common spaces for sure. Yeah, I mean that that private dining room. Uh, you, you saw it, Kevin. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing space, and, mm-hmm. and it gives uh, residents that privacy to really gather mm-hmm. with their families. And again, you don't really see that in a lot of different uh, senior living locations. You're kind of you know huddled or herded into a a group area, and you don't have mm-hmm. that privacy, that intimacy where you can really share these amazing times with your loved ones. And I think you know the Carnes is really kind of breaking the mold, and you know that stereotypical senior living model and doing something new and very innovative. Mm-hmm. And I also want to throw out, you talked about memory care, uh, the shadow boxes. Yes. Can we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, so they're electronic shadow boxes, which allow uh, families uh, to upgrade or to exchange photographs, family photos. It can be from when the resident, when mom or dad were younger. It could be throughout the different generations. Um, but what it does is it helps the residents not only um you know, target in where their own apartment is. But more importantly, it allows the other residents to get to know each other Mm -hmm. um, because there are so many friendships um, that are formed um, in all of our neighborhoods, um, which is really nice to know. And, um, you know, I want to go back to Taylor for just a minute. You know, we call her our sales director, but she's so much more than that. Um, if ever there was a person that really got that we're more than just the community itself, we are also, you know, a community outside of the community. And um, and Taylor does such a phenomenal job uh, recognizing that and, and yeah. being a resource to so many of our families. 
Thank you. When we um, start working with a family and a resident, whether it is the adult child or it's the resident themselves, you know, who the resident was, was very, is very, very important to us. You know, who is the resident now, you know, at the stage that they're at and what are we looking for towards the future, you know, and, you know, making sure that we're honoring, you know, their past, whether it's that they were a veteran, whether it was their careers, all of that plays such an important role. And that's where the shadow boxes do come in. But that intimate relationship that you you gain with your families and with the residents, you know, is is such a privilege to be a part of, mm-hmm. you know, and that transition to help them, you know, transition into their new home and to... Mm-hmm. You know, assure the family that, you know, um, that we're excited to have them and we're we're looking forward to making new memories Mm -hmm. with the residents, you know. And as we were talking about the holidays, I'm thinking to myself about um, my children came in. You know, I grew up in Marshfield, but I'm raising my my children in, in Dorchester and, you know, to see how the residents react to my family, you know, and the memories that we're making, you know, is is really wonderful. And those relationships, it's not just with the resident, it's with their family as a whole. And, you know, that's really what I think sets us apart, you know, from from so many different, or it, it's just that intimate relationship, that personalized attention, and, you know, really finding the resources outside of our community to make the lives of the residents the absolute best we can, you know, and that's where like our campaign, the seniors giving seniors living is, is tying in. Um, many of our residents enjoyed volunteering. You know, they were very active in different social organizations and that need doesn't stop just because you're getting older, you mm. know, and probably um, increases. Yeah, absolutely. To find that purpose again, you know, especially after the last couple of years with COVID where so many activities stopped um, to connect with people again is so important and when the residents heard about my brother's keeper based out of Easton at Stonehill College it, you know and they heard that it it benefits 3,000 it was over 3,000 families this year on the south shore up to the north shore and it doesn't just stop at age 13 you know it, it really um, makes Christmas memories for the whole family and they snapped into action you know they said how can we help we want to help do the toy drive. We want to help do the gift drive. Um, but we also want to go and volunteer, you know. And so we're, you know, um, we are organizing our gift drive right now. And um, we'll be heading out there to wrap and help sort gifts at My Brother's Keeper on Thursday. I and mean, we're looking forward to that very much. But bringing those resources in, you know, that intergenerational aspect, you know, whether it's with the local school organizations or whatnot, um, that really really sets the tone for the, the happiness in the community. Mm-hmm. Folks, I'm just uh, tuning in the voice you just heard. That, that was Taylor Burns. Uh, she's a sales director, but oh, so, so much more, according to Eileen Mahoney, who's also here. She is the executive director of Casey Sherman, also uh, sitting in as a part of this uh, conversation. Uh, I do want to ma- make sure that we do take a moment to let folks know that Tours uh-huh. are still happening. Oh, folks, of course. Are, Absolutely. Can, I go, can, can I go and look at this place? Absolutely. Absolutely. They can see, and I will say the one thing that I complimented Eileen on when I did my tour was how well, how well, when I was looking at prospective spaces, how well they were staged, how they looked, 
and knowing that if, in fact, I have somebody who is an ambulance and they're in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. that there are low spaces. It's easy for them to be able to get in and out of spaces. Right. If they, again, there's somebody who is wheelchair bound, they're able to roll into mm-hmm. a shower and be able to, there's a, there'll be a desk there, in fact, if right. there's somebody who likes doing stuff like that. Right. Can we talk about a tour? Oh, absolutely, positively. Uh, for anyone who is interested, we're located at 1435 Main Street in Weymouth. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also um, wanting to direct you to our website, Please. which is thecurrentweymouth.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also uh, available by phone call. Uh, you can call us anytime, 339-499-1008. How's that for teamwork? <laughs> yeah. um, but we are also having, we're hosting an open house tomorrow evening. And uh, tomorrow is um, uh, the open house starts at it's at four p.m. to six p.m. Um, Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening. Wednesday I Monday, apologize. Yeah. Yes, and we are uh, just a holiday open house. You know, we will have our gift drive happening, but we would love to be able to showcase um, the community as a whole. You know, and it, it's especially prevalent with you know with the three different neighborhoods. We are always happy to you know tour any of them. Um, our independent living neighborhood, you know, is is truly spectacular, and you you know we urge people to stop in and to, to get a view of you know the the range of you know services in the floor plans that are you know available from studio all the way up to we have penthouse apartments with you know rooftop decks and you know the whole nine yards but there really is a floor plan style um, for anybody that's looking in any budget you know that's that's there and you know with the independent living you know it, it, it's a different consumer it's a different shopper than you know the assisted living in the memory care neighborhoods you know we've seen a trend over the last couple of years with independent living you know they're they're savvy you know this generation of people that are looking for independent living they're sophisticated you know they're they're well versed you know the information is a little bit more easily accessible than it has been the last couple of years and they know what they're looking for they know what they want they want you know high end amenities you know they want you know, beautiful spaces, um, you know, but they're also making smart choices for themselves. You know, they're making choices that they are choosing communities like ours where they can age in place and they can be in one community um, wherever that journey takes them. And um, kudos today, to them for that. Today, well, as well as into the future. Absolutely. It, it's worth noting that there's a nautical theme that is throughout the facility. Uh-huh. There's one thing that uh, that I was able to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, surmise mm-hmm. uh, an upscale feel, yep. with, uh, but it's also home-like oh, right. as well. Absolutely. And and the one thing that I think I had commented to you, Eileen, was is that we were in certain parts of the building. This is a facility that's located right on 18. Mm-hmm. You would think mm-hmm. that we're so close mm-hmm. to a busy roadway mm-hmm. that you would have, there would be issues with noise. Right. But not so much. No, no. Not, not so much at all. No, a not lo- at all. It's a fantastic. lot of thought went into that. The entire design, well constructed. A lot. Our CEO Michael Glenn has really um, put a lot of thought into the design and worked with the architect uh, to ensure that that uh, wasn't an issue and and what have you. But I will tell you that the nautical theme—it's very upscale and it is really a tribute to being on the South Shore, you know, and all these beautiful neighborhoods and towns. 
um, that's representative of being, you know, on, near the ocean. Yeah, I often love it. No, go ahead. I was just going to say it really blends in perfectly, and it, you know, I will say that you know I, I toured one of the studios, and then I went into the penthouse upstairs, and it's interesting. Even you know, you don't lose anything or sacrifice aesthetically no. uh, if you're choosing a studio as opposed to uh, a penthouse. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so well done. You know, every um, you know, there's so much. Uh, attention to detail. Uh, you know, they've really done all the work, you know, ahead of time to bring, um, you know, these folks in. Right. It's also worth noting, again, a wellness center, as Casey had mentioned yes. earlier, a juice bar. Yeah. Overnight security, right? Front door right. 24-7. 24-7. Um, and safety is key. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're living in a new time where our residents go out and they don't always come in you know, before their front doors, but there's always someone there to greet them. And uh, that's really wonderful. We should also mention as well how each neighborhood, as far as when it comes to Just food, yep. and it's it's almost, you almost like you have an executive chef in each, correct? Oh, exactly. In each servery, right? Exactly. It's the food, the, the gourmet food, it's, it's really representative of each neighborhood, right? So your uh, independent residents are going to have a different palate than perhaps our memory care residents. Correct. So we, we are everything to everyone. Um, and that's really, really important. Anything you want to mention in regards to uh, your teams and some of the members who work for um, for the current? In um, absolutely. Taylor's just one example of the wonderful um, team that we have at the current in Weymouth. Um, everyone has the one thing in common, and that is a serving heart. Uh, they are there for the right reasons. They're there because they love to care and cater to seniors. Um, and anything else can be figured out, worked out, what have you. Um, but you are looking at a team that comes with a, a, f- a wonderful um, span of experience. Um, so that avoids any pitfalls of being new. Um, we're up and running, and we're 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 making it happen. Absolutely, and I think the team is really, you know, the commitment from the team is very prevalent. The moment you walk through those doors, you know, the ease that families feel. You know, I hear often in tours that they they knew the moment they stepped through and were greeted. You know, from the concierge right off the bat mm-hmm. to the fact that the executive director's offices are right off the lobby. You mm-hmm. know they're accessible the team is accessible to the families and the residents and you know as Eileen touched upon you know it's the caring heart and that's you know I think the most important thing it's not a Mm -hmm. it's not an easy industry to work in Mm -hmm. so when you draw the quality team that we Mm -hmm. have Mm -hmm. the tenure of the team that we have it it makes all the difference in care right and also Honorable mention, pet friendly, yes, no? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> pet friendly? We are absolutely positively. We have uh, two my pets friend Gus. right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gus, Gus is my, fr- my, my dog. Friend. He, who he comes was on the to tour. Visit. He mm-hmm. led the tour at times. Yes, yes. Uh, but yes, several of our residents have brought in their own pets mm-hmm. and um, we're enjoying it immensely. Um, but absolutely, cats, dogs, we are we are absolutely pet friendly. Because a lot of people, their pets are family members too. Absolutely, right. yeah. And, and if it's going to prevent somebody from making this move, it's hard enough. But to have to do it and not bring your pet with you, it's, you know, that's a pretty sad thought. So we are most certainly pet friendly. 
just got a, a couple of moments left. Sure. Anything, any stone we have not turned over, Casey, Taylor, Eileen, but we want to make sure we mention, do we want to reiterate anything, maybe yes. giving them more information about getting in touch or finding out about the open house? Absolutely. Yes. So our open house will be from four to six on Wednesday, this coming week. Um, we do host events pretty frequently. You know, we had an elder law attorney in today um, giving, you know, information, a lunch and learn. Um, our, our doors really are open. We want to make sure that the public knows that and seven days a week there is someone there available to give you a tour you can call us you can stop in um, checking our socials is a really mm-hmm. great way to stay current on what's happening with us um, pun intended yeah the pun <laughs> intended well done um, and the, both handles are Instagram and Facebook thecurrentweymouth.com and you know we have um, some really great photos of things that have been going on so we urge you to come on by absolutely and, and again uh, I had a chance to take the tour. I'm not a pitch person for for mm-hmm. uh, this organization, but I was astounded by the hour, hour and a half that I was there, and I was mm-hmm. taken aback. And I Appreciate think if you that, take a tour, Kevin. you also will feel the same way. Well, and the last thing I would like to press upon anybody is that don't wait until, you know, you need it's it. too late, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, come in. Plan ahead. Sh- yeah, exactly. Look around. See what we have to offer. Um, make the wise decisions. Um, without any panic. Eileen Taylor, thank you so much for thank joining you. us. Thanks for having thank us. Casey, you have no choice but to stay. I'm going to be uh, <laughs> sitting right here. He's part of hour number two. Stay tuned. We'll be right back in a few moments. You are tuned in to Monday Night Talk right here on 95.9 WATD. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. 95.9 WATD-FM Marshfield and 95.9 WATD.com. Christmas Eve, 1999. Clement Moore was stirring whipped cream into the eggnog when out on the lawn there arose such a clatter. He sprang to the deck to see what was the matter. When what to his wondering eyes did appear, thrust from the windshield of his van like a spear, was the snow-crusted runner of an overloaded sleigh. His windshield was shattered on Christmas Eve day. Whatever on earth could the poor man do? Not a creature was stirring. Who would he sue? And then, up on the rooftop, a cry could be heard. Ho, ho, ho! Don't you worry! The windshield's insured. I'm Tiny of Tiny and Sons Glass. We come to your work or rooftop, and we replace your windshield. My boys do a good job. one 888 tinies Happy Christmas to all. Tis the season for trivia on 95.9 WATD. Test your knowledge of Noel and win fabulous prizes to stuff your stockings this Christmas. Listen for the cue from Eddie the Elf all this week and be the 12th caller to answer Tis the Season trivia. Correct answers win gift cards from one of our contest's wonderful sponsors. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas at the station that packs the presents, 95.9 WATD. Monday Night Talk continues all week long. Go to 95.9WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk and keep in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. Our number two is standing before you here on Monday Night Talk. 
Uh, later this hour, we'll have Sheldon Cooper. Actually, I'm going to say Sheldon Cooper. Sheldon Goldberg. Sheldon is a good friend. We've had him in the talk uh, about uh, wrestling. Uh, he's someone who has uh, an organization. He used to run a, a New England professional wrestling outfit here on uh, the uh, the South Shore. And uh, he's going to be joining us to talk about his book, his novel, The Last Fall. So that's going to be coming up. Very cool. But right now, we are going to be speaking with the one and only Casey Sherman, <laughs> who is joining us, uh, not only to talk a little bit about uh, some of the best of 2023, whether it's movies, books, give us he'll give his picks, but also kind of get caught up on some of the things that he's doing. No, this is a great opportunity always to sit down and chew the fat, so to speak. And, uh, you know, the Golden Globe uh, nominations were announced today. So it's I'm apropos. Looking at it right now. Yeah, it's apropos that we talk a little bit about that. And, you know, now that the um, strikes are over, both the acting strike and the writer's strike, um, you know, all of the projects that have been gestating over time, you know, go into kind of full court press. So, um, you know, Dave Wedge, my writing partner, and I, we've got a, a project uh, which has, you know, garnered headlines around the country about Tom Brady. Um, a lot of buzz. Yeah, a lot of buzz for this. This is a, a limited series, fictionalized, called The Patriot Way. So it's a scripted series about not only Brady, but the 20 years of dominance and the cost of success with the uh, Patriot dynasty. Mm. And it's, it's really intriguing. And, you know, we, we're now in, uh, in the series of network pitches. So what that means, Kevin, is, uh, you know, we get on Zooms with network executives and we go over what the 10-episode series is going to look like. It's Dave and I on the Zoom along with our partners in Hollywood. And, you know, we have to practice it over time before we get to the stage of being in front of these, you know, executives. And we had our first pitch on Friday and we're starting to really get into the rhythm of how we're going to tell this story. And the reaction so far have been amazing. You know, what we try to... Uh, you know, we always look for the comps, right? So we're saying, you know, this is you, this is really isn't a football story. This is more like Succession. Mm. You know, this is more like The Crown. So people in the in the room who under, have a better understanding of those shows can understand. Okay, well, there's something going on on the field, but it's all the behind the scenes drama and palace intrigue that are going to have you know fans who love the patriots interested in it maybe not and, so much and, and and television viewers who hate the patriots who are inter in, interested in it and that universality of uh, of the storytelling really is important yeah and i you know i find it fascinating that you know here we are we're on the the backside we're you know we're <laughs> we're heading for the bottom quick that when you're talking about if you're somebody who has followed football the new england patriots the incredible run that they had and now you have you know tom brady left a, a few years ago joined another team won a super bowl um and then you have the coach who thought you know he would be able to win it without his oh, superstar quarterback and his is not necessarily been able to you're being you know, repeat kind. the success. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, that, that well, are, you, are you a Patriots fan? Uh, well, I, of course. So, you know, I mean, you and I grew up Patriot fans. We remember the battle days. Oh my God, Rod Rust, Rod Rust and, Dick you know, McPherson, Dick McPherson, uh, Scott Seacules. I mean, go over, oh, yeah. you know, all these uh, Ham and Egger uh, um, quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's that's the team that we grew up with that we Drew knew. Bledsoe, who's supposed Drew to Bledsoe. be first round pick, first round pick, and thank God, you know, Bill Parcells. You know, our story starts. 
all the way back with Parcells coming to the team and, you know, uh, therefore Bill Belichick coming to the team and all the drama that unfolded, you know, when Bledsoe was the highest paid quarterback in uh, in league history. And here comes this sixth round draft pick that nobody kept an eye on. You know, Belichick didn't even want to draft him. There was a quarterback coach named Dick Rabine who kind of forced Belichick's hand. Mm. You know, Belichick looks like the genius now, but back on draft night, he was willing to bypass Tom Brady because Tom Brady wasn't even a starter at the University of Michigan. But there was something, you know, that that uh, that Rabine saw in in Brady that he didn't see in any other quarterback that he scouted. And then we get that uh, moment in time where Mo Lewis collides into Bledsoe, almost kills him. Yeah. Bledsoe almost died, almost died right. on the field and in the hospital, and that enters, you know, introduces the Brady era. And what does that look like over a period of, you know, 20 years? Yes, it's that, you know, the six Super Bowls, the nine Super Bowls that they competed in, but all of the, you know, drama that happened in the locker room, drama that happened uh, off the field that make this story so relevant and, and so interesting to, you know, your average television viewer. Let's talk about some any books that you have in the, in the works, anything that we can uh, be prepared for, whether it's something that's going to be hard copy, maybe you're voicing some stuff for, for books that you've either done or that are in the works. What do you got going on? Yeah, a little of both. I've got a new book coming out in February called Murder in Hollywood. And for those in the audience who remember Lana Turner right. in the 1950s, uh, she was the Marilyn Monroe before Marilyn. And she was caught up in this huge scandal in 1958 where uh, a gangster, a very brutal, violent gangster, was found dead on her bedroom floor in Beverly Hills. And for 60 years, Lana was looked at as a femme fatale and a villain in Hollywood. But I took a fresh look at that story, you know, pulled out all the weeds and really dug under to see what the roots were. And I realized that, you know, she wasn't a femme fatale. She's a feminist icon, uh, really a pioneer of the Me Too movement. And the story is so outrageous and crazy. I had to write it again. It's called A Murder in Hollywood. It comes out in hardcover on February 13th. But I'm also narrating the Audible book. Awesome. Which, it's the second time I've done it. I did that first for um, uh, Helltown uh, a couple of years ago. And it's, it's, it's great to do once you're done. But when you're in that studio by yourself for, you know, 25 hours, you know this. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to the, the legend here. So you know what I'm talking about. Oh, and my God. It's like it never ends. It never ends. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that being over. But I'm also finishing my 17th book, if you can imagine that. That's awesome. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank That's you. That's awesome. It's uh, it's about the Nathan Carmen case. And for those of you in the audience who, who followed this story, it was about a young man with Asperger's syndrome who took his mother out on a fishing trip off the coast of Rhode Island, and she didn't make it back. Um, and he was later charged with her murder at sea. And when I took on this project, I thought, okay, well... There might be a straight line to his guilt because that's what I've you know listened to or seen on television, mm. but it's nothing like what I thought it was going to be, which is what I love when I get into a project for the first time. The unexpected, I, unexpected. My head wants to be blown away, you know, when I when I when I jump into these things, and and that means you know. 30-some-odd interviews with people that were close to the case, mountains of documentation and evidence, again, that some you know some people in the media don't have the luxury of time to really look at. But you do. I can really examine it. 
and and put the pieces where they fit and then take the pieces out where they don't fit. Now, Nathan was accused not only of his mother's murder, but of killing his his wealthy grandfather right. uh, a few years before. And I, I compare this this book. It's really like a, a modern day Knives Out or a real life Knives Out. You have a very wealthy family and a lot of people around that family that wanted their hands on the family fortune. This is an exceptional movie, too. I hope so. Anything I write, Kevin, you know, I want several life forms for. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of cast the movie in my head as I'm writing it. I write very visually, which is, I think, why a lot of my books lend themselves so easily to television and film. Yeah. You, you are a very vivid storyteller. And I, it's one of those things, I think, that you either have, have a gift for it or, you know, some people it takes a bit for them to come into our, their own. But you definitely, you, you and you and Dave. Sure. Very vivid, and you guys are also no-nonsense. I am I am thrilled that you are doing the, the audiobook because um, I started listening to Natalie Jacobson. I listened to her book. Loved it. It was in her voice. Dave Grohl, the storyteller. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Listen to his book. Loved it. So I'm looking forward to hearing your book. Um, uh, actually, your two books. I didn't realize you did Helltown as well. You're in yeah, trouble it's like now. You I'm and gonna... I sitting at a bar uh, over a couple of pints, and I'm just telling, t- taking you through these crazy true crime stories that I've had the you know the honor to write. Looking forward to it. So we, we so the original reason why we sure to, to ha- ask you to come on in. It's the holiday season. Yep, and so it's your opportunity to maybe entice some of those folks out there who are looking for new books. Maybe they've already bought these books. Maybe you, maybe you have your own top ten of books that you'd like to. Uh, suggest to folks and kind of give a little detail. Uh, yeah, or even if, even if yours are on that. Well, I was going to say, I'm very excited because now I don't have to talk about my own books. <laughs> I really, you know, you know, you want to pique my interest. When you have a book that I haven't read, I'll jump right into that conversation all day long. So I'm very excited to give my kind of top five books of the year that really turned my head. Okay. Um, the, you know, the first book, I think the best book of the year, is a book called There Will Be Fire. Now, I didn't know anything about this book, and I was in Barnes & Noble in Hingham, and all of a sudden, I, I looked at the nonfiction section, and the angry eyes of Margaret Thatcher were staring back at me. I said, what the heck is this? So <laughs> I, I opened it. I looked at the cover. I said, okay, I'll, I'll pick it up and, and see if it's any good. It's, it's the best book that I think has been written in 2023, and the writer is an Irish journalist named uh, Rory Carroll. And it's about the 1984 assassination attempt against British Prime uh, Minister Margaret Thatcher by members of the IRA. And they exploded a bomb at a conservative party conference in the Grand Hotel in Brighton, England at that time. And it's it's such a great book because it takes all sides into account. You know, it follows the, the bombers. It follows the uh, bomb technicians that were hunting these IRA, you know, terrorists down on, you know, on, on British soil for, um, a, you know, matter of years. It also gets into the mind of Margaret Thatcher and her evolution as a leader. She was really, uh, you know, you know, garnered little respect when she was elected prime minister. Right. Now we know her as the Iron Lady. And there's a reason for that. And I think a lot of it has to do with what she went through in 1984 during this bombing attempt. So it's in hardcover right now. You can find it at any bookstore on Amazon. Again, it's called There Will Be Fire. To me, it's the best book of 2023. And there are a few others, too, that I'm really passionate about. And maybe you've read this one. The next one, another British author. It's called Prisoners of the Castle. 
Now, this is a book by British author Ben McIntyre. He's been, you know, prolific and uh, very successful in his own right. A lot of his books become films as well, and it's it, it, it kind of bugs me because it's a story I wanted to write, <laughs> um, but he beat me to it. And this one focuses on the many attempts by allied POWs to break out of this castle in Kolditz, Germany, during World War II. Now, these attempts were crazy. Many of them, inclu- one of them included even building a glider away from the prying eyes of German guards to fly over the towering castle walls. Now, do you remember the movie Great Escape? I do. I love that movie. Oh, one of my favorites. Love I mean, it. you know, Steve McQueen, James Garner, you know, uh, and this is kind of a real life version of that, even though The Great Escape is based on real. real so, it's, so instead of like like them, they tunnel, you know, one of them yes, they tunneled, right. yeah. these, they're going to fly. That's right. Wow. So instead of digging Tom, Dick, and Harry the tunnels, right. they, ha- they have to find different ways of getting out. You know, again, the glider, they, they you know, they, they stitch their own German uniforms and they're, you know, they, they have various levels of success over a period of years and it's it's amazing that these you know soldiers were basically plucked off of the battlefield very early on in the european you know campaign right and their only goal after that was i gotta get the hell out of here and and the the ways that they are creative and innovative um it's a great story and really puts you in that time and space you know in germany during world war ii a couple of other books that I that I, I truly love. Um, one of them that brings us back to Boston. My buddy Dennis Lehane. Uh, Dennis was so good to me early in my career. He blurbed, meaning endorsed my first book about the Boston Strangler case. So I've re- read everything that Dennis has ever written. He's got a new book out, also in hardcover. It's called, excuse me, uh, Small Mercies. Now Dennis brings us back in this one to South Boston during the busing era of the 1970s as a mother searches for her missing teenage daughter. And this one is as gritty as it gets. And Dennis is really good at the, you know, really kind of carving out the underbelly of, of, you know, what it means to live in Boston during those times and, and, you know, be from the neighborhoods. You know, the mom here is not pretty. She's mean, she's tough, and she's going to do anything she can uh, to get the, to the truth behind her, her daughter's disappearance. You know, there's a Whitey Bulger character, if you will, in the story. So it really hits close to home. The language is very raw. Mm. You know, not a lot of likable characters in it, but you come out with some massive respect for the mom in this in this book. And, you know, and Dennis, you know, most of his stuff goes right to the big screen. So you remember Mystic River. You too. You know, one of the great films of the, I think, the 1990s or early 2000s, rather, with uh, Sean Penn, one of my favorites. So I'm looking forward to the adaptation for this one. Um, I'm also looking forward to the big screen adaptation of The Wager. Now, this one is by David Gran. David Gran wrote um, Killer, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is now in, on, in, on the big screen. Yep. This one is about the, um, a British warship called The Wager, and it wrecked off the coast of South America in 1742. Now, the stranded crew members form alliances. They fight each other to the death in their bid to survive. It really becomes a, a real-life version of Lord of the Flies. Um, you know, it's a book in two parts, too, because it focuses on the shipwreck and all that isolation. And I'll tell you, we wake up and the snow is falling or it's raining outside. Nothing compared to what these guys went through. <laughs> you know, I mean, thank God that we, you know, were born in the era that we did. 
because it was absolutely horrifying. But, you know, the, the shipwreck and isolation parts are uh, gripping and terrifying. There's a later court trial, and I think that part of the book loses a bit of its steam, but I'm still going to recommend it because it's really vivid. Um, on the fiction side, um, there's a guy that I've been reading for a long time, Daniel Silva. Um, Daniel's written a series of spy novels about this Israeli spy and art restorer uh, named Gabriel Elon. Now, to me, this series is better than Ludlum's Jason Bourne, and I think it's on par with Tom Clancy's original Jack Ryan series. This new one he has out in hardcover, he's got one come out, coming out every year. He's pretty pro- prolific as well. It concerns the still unsolved uh, theft at the Isabella Stewart Garden Museum. So that's pretty cool, right? Wow. Yeah. Bring it, make it local. Make it local. And, and you know, it's also a globetrotting story that takes you into exotic locales all over the world. Very James Bond-esque. So if you're looking to just escape for a little bit with a really cool spy novel that's got some art history, history to it and some true crime to it, I would say put the collector on your list or on a list for uh, your friends and family and... Uh, uh, one book that's close to me that I will uh, promote, not my own, but a book uh, novel called Into the Realm, which is a book uh, by Todd Forrest, uh, he, my brother, Todd Forrest Sherman. It's a sentimental favorite favorite for me. As you know, Kevin, I lost my brother I this do. year. But my brother, before he passed, um, wrote and debuted his first novel. Right. Um, and it's really a sweeping novel about Cape Cod and one family's fight against developers and progress to keep the Cape as pristine as possible. And my brother's like me. He's just uh, he, he, he's an architect of words, meaning he dives into the history um, of the Cape. So you read this really interesting mystery involving land development on Cape Cod, but he takes you all the way back to the Wampanoags wow. and, you know, how the Cape was formed and why it's still such a special place to this day. Um, while I'm talking about, I guess, my favorite books, I also want to talk about my biggest disappointment <gasps> of the year. Shocking. Now, normally, I don't throw any author under the bus because no I know shade. how bloody hard it is to uh, write a book. And But, you know, John Grisham has been uh, successful enough, and I read a lot of his stuff. And for the most part, you know, he always delivers. Well, he came out with a book this year called The Exchange, and it's dubbed a um, sequel to The Firm, which was, one, you know, his Tom biggest Cruise. Tom Cruise movie, you know, book, one of the biggest successes he's ever had. And it's uh, he takes that character, and I thought he was going to take that character back to Memphis, and back to the you know the mob controlled um, law firm, but no, he doesn't. Not do so that. fast. Not so fast. He uh, it's no sequel to the firm really. Instead, it involves Libya and a negotiation for hostages. Um, it's really kind of came out of left field, and I don't think it landed. You know, for Grisham, certainly it wasn't what I was expecting when I picked it up, and I was really looking forward to this one. So. Buyer beware, if you're going to pick this up and you think it's a sequel to The Firm, uh, it's not what you expected. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't really pleased with this one, so hopefully uh, Grisham will hear this show and, uh, <laughs> and, and do better next time. Um, so those are the books. I don't know if you've got any books you want to share. No, I, I count on you for, for, for all that information. We bring, we bring people in to talk about their books. Um, so I'd be a little bit biased sure. as to uh, all the folks who are kind enough to come in and talk about you know, their, their craft and what they work on. 
Um, I will say, again, we're speaking with the great Casey Sherman, a New York Times bestselling author, producer. Um, you know that the Golden Globes, we got a couple of minutes left for you to kind yeah, of yeah. touch upon this. You mentioned Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, that's uh, that's up for uh, best motion picture uh, drama along with uh, Oppenheimer. Well, uh, you know, I've seen both films, and I'm going to go Oppenheimer on this one. Yeah. I loved Killers of the Flower Moon. I really liked the performance by Lily Gladstone, who is the, the matriarch of a... Uh, of a, a Native American tribe that uh, you know, all of a sudden they start to lose members because you know they're 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 the white settlers are killing them right. for their oil rights. I mean, it's a horrific true story, as is Oppenheimer. But I think you know Chris Nolan's adaptation of that book, American Pr- Prometheus, and really making a dummy like me understand physics um, is brilliant. I think Cillian Murphy is excellent in it. My my producing partner Robert Downey Jr. So I mentioned I, he's kept up for a supporting role. Yeah. And he's so menacing, you know, as the antagonist in in Oppenheimer. And he does it in such a subtle way. You know, you don't realize that he's he's the true villain in the story until Oppenheimer's life after uh, building the atomic bomb goes a little south. And you see how politics plays a role. What's interesting is is that uh, Downey Jr. is up against William Dafoe. Uh, another favorite of mine. Another Robert De Niro, yeah. Ryan Gosling, Mark Ruffalo. I mean, you've got it's a murderer's row. Yeah, talent you get right heavy there. hitters who are in the supporting role. Uh, you know, looking to get some hardware for the the Golden Globes. It's, you know, it's and, and Gosling, I think, might have the the you know the inside track. But you know, I'm pulling for um, Robert just because he hasn't won before. He was nominated for Chaplin, which is still one of the you know Fantastic. most genius yep. portrayals of a an American icon or. a British icon, if you will, uh, that's ever been done. A couple of other movies that I thought stood out. The Holdovers, which is an Alexander Payne film shot here. Yeah, Paul Giamatti shot here in Massachusetts. He's the best. He is. And, and, you know, Payne really entaps the the great acting skills that Giamatti has. Um, You know, he he directed Sideways, which Giamatti just Mm. stole. It was a tour de force. And Giamatti in this one, he plays a stuffy prep school teacher. Who's in a battle of wits, <coughs> excuse me, with a student. But it's really heartfelt and really well done. Another film that I liked, uh, Dumb Money, Craig Gillespie. This is another local, local yep. story based on Ben Mesrick's book, by the way, of the little guy, actually a guy from Brockton named Keith Gill, who fights the billionaires on Wall Street and wins by making the game stop, <clears throat> excuse me, stock, <clears throat> the hottest stock uh, in the investment biz. Again, uh, you're just tuning in. We have uh, the one and only Casey Sherman, uh, our guest, as we uh, we get ready to wrap this up. Anything you want to say as we uh, close out a segment? Yeah, a couple of uh, other little films. Um, the, Murder, uh, the Haunting in Venice, which is a, a Agatha Christie uh, movie. I took my mom to see that. She never fell asleep. She watched it the whole time, which, you know, that's rare for me. My mom usually takes a nice long nap in a movie. She stayed up. So anybody out there that wants to, you know, enjoy a great film with their parents, please do so. That's Another uh, guilty pleasure was Cocaine Bear. It's exactly what it says on the marquee. <laughs> it is an it's interesting a, It's movie. about a bear. It's that, interesting. <laughs> that, that terrorizes a, a national park, you know, filled with cocaine. My daughter loves uh, horror movies. We watch that together, and we, we're still talking about it four months later. I want to thank you again for joining us. Let's have you back on, back in soon. Yeah, soon. February when the book comes out, for sure. S- sounds like a plan. We are going to step aside, and the final segment of Monday Night Talk coming up here on 95.9 WATD. 
Don't go anywhere. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. Located in downtown Whitman, McWiggins Pub is a fashionable upscale Irish sports pub with a lively bar and dining room. With all the class of a Boston pub, McWigan serves a great pub menu featuring favorites like beer-battered fried pickles, Reuben sandwiches, shepherd's pie, bangers and mash, and meatloaf. And of course, they have Guinness on tap. McWiggins is a great place to eat, drink, and socialize with family and friends. With eight flat-screen TVs, you'll always find yourself in the center of the action of your favorite team. And don't forget the patio at McWiggins right next door. They're located at 546 and 552 Washington Street in downtown Whitman. The Daniel Webster Estate in Marshfield invites you to their annual Christmas show house now through December 17th at their location, 238 Webster Street in Marshfield. See the Daniel Webster Estate like you've never seen it before, all lit up and decorated for the holiday season. Now through Sunday, December 17th, with a special appearance from Santa Claus on Sunday, December 17th. For hours and information, visit thedanielwebsterestate.org. That's thedanielwebsterestate.org. By the middle of the week, so much news has come your way, you need your own team to sort it out. Lucky for you, there's Jared Valenzola and the JV team to talk about the things you've heard and catch you up on some things you might not know. I'm Jared Valenzola. Join me and my guests as we have fun with current events and try to put things into perspective each week. Sponsored by Corey Welch of Boom Realty. Catch the JV team every Wednesday night at 6.15 here on 95.9 WATD. Are you not quite in sync with the ho, ho, ho and the merry and bright? Feeling a sadness, a loss, estrangement, or being overwhelmed by the season's demands? Then please join us at Pilgrim Church, 404 Washington Street in Duxbury, on Thursday, December 21st at 6.30 for a Blue Christmas, a quiet service of music, liturgy, and fellowship. Light refreshments at 6 o'clock. See Pilgrim's Facebook for more information. Be a part of the show. Call in and join in on the conversation. 781-837-4900. Now, back to Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. We are back here for the final segment of Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 W. ATD. I tell you, wow, that was the first three segments. Fantastic. Um, great to talk with Casey. Kind of get his insight. You know, I think that might be the first time we've had a chance to talk with him and get his insight on books. So that's that's definitely awesome. Uh, and I look forward to having him back in, especially in February when he's going to be talking about murder in Hollywood. It's going to be yeah, fantastic. But right now, we turn our attention to our next guest. I, b- before I introduce uh, you, Sheldon, uh, I have to say, I apologize. For some reason, I thought you were going to be coming in studio um, and not necessarily us calling you. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Because I, 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 was, I, was I was looking forward to kind of looking across from you and talking to you about, about uh, this, this novel of yours. Your, this is your first book, Yes. That's correct, yes. Author of The Fall. And, uh, oh, actually, The Last Fall. Last Fall, Not right. just a fall, but 
last fall. We'll get into Correct. the nuts and bolts in a minute, but uh, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm been looking forward to our conversation, and always a pleasure to talk to you. Now we've we've had conversations with Sheldon before in regards to um, uh, you know his involvement with with professional wrestling, with wrestling, running an organization, and all 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 that it's entailed. And so, this particular book that I had the the privilege uh, to to check out and read uh, is about an individual. Uh, his name is Richard Allen Pacheco Jr. And this is a, gen- a young man who who got involved with wrestling, and we get to follow his his life as he gets involved as he becomes involved with wrestling. And so I have to say, when did you first come up uh, with the idea for the last fall? Well, I'll tell you, I, I was writing a totally different story, and uh, <clears throat> this idea just just came to me and. I saw the whole thing from beginning to end, so I put the first idea aside. It was about 100 pages in, and uh, I, I put the first idea aside, and I said, I've got to write this while it's fresh in my mind and while, uh, you know, while, while I have the inspiration to write this particular book, and uh, I'm glad I did. So that's how the last fall came about. So, so how long did it how long did it take you to write? I mean, this is your your first your first book, your first novel. Uh, yeah. I mean, was it something that happened quickly? You some people I interview and I talk about you know their writing and what they do, and some people's like, well, you know, I would you know write a a, a chapter a week, or you know, I would write a few chapters and I put it down. And I, what was your methodology in in writing this novel? How long did it take? Um, the first draft was three weeks. Wow. And I know that that sounds like really, really, really fast, and I guess it is, but I, I just, like I say, I, when, I, when all this came to me, I saw the whole thing from beginning to end, and I just sat at the computer and wrote for as long as I could, and then, uh, you know, would come back to it in the next day or so and, you know, keep going until it was done. So, and then, of course, I went back and made some revisions and additions and subtractions and so forth. So talk to me. So it's the book is to, is kind of told through the eyes of a fictional wrestler. His name again mm-hmm. is Richard or Ricky or Richie Allen Pacheco Jr. Where did the idea for for Richie or Ricky come from? Is this is this based on somebody you may know? Mm, it's an amalgamation of different people. Oh, I like that. I mean. When I say that, it's not so much an amalgamation of individuals, but an amalgamation, an amalgamation, I should say, of types. <clears throat> Back in, in, in the, the book takes place from 1971 to 1999, and, and, and Rick has his first match in 1979. He stumbles into the wrestling business at the age of 11 yep. in 1971. And he doesn't have his first wrestling match, professional wrestling match, until 1999. And uh, 1979, I should say. Okay. <laughs> so so uh, back then, the wrestling business was a very different place than it is today. Yeah. It, it was not the sophisticated industry that it is now. It was a patchwork quilt of regional promoters in different areas called territories. 
and, uh, you know, they were not exactly the most sophisticated of businesses, but they were big businesses. They ran big arenas, and they ran smaller arenas, and in some cases, you know, those those businesses were very robust, and in, in other areas, maybe a little bit less so, but the wrestling business thrived like that until the 80s, mm. and then everything started to change. Well, well let's talk about, again, you know, cast, you know, it's okay to create a, uh, a primary a character that you kind of follow through a story. But, you know, you also, during this, you know, early on, we get to meet uh, individuals like Ricky's mom, Betty, who works mm-hmm. at, you know, the diner down the street. Uh, mm-hmm. Betty's Betty's father, uh, Grandpa Joe. Uh, not to mention, you mentioned about 1971, Sailor Sam Sullivan. And due to, curi- mm-hmm. due to curiosity on uh, Ricky's behalf and in this garage where he's hearing all kinds of noises and grunts is how he comes mm-hmm. to, to meet Sailor Sam or Sailor, as he's called in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who ran a gym and he actually trained prospective wrestlers. Not mm-hmm. to mention Crusher Al Rocco. Uh, Ro- uh, is it Rocco? Rocco, yeah. Rocco, mm-hmm. who carried, uh, who who picked up uh, uh, Ricky, who was uh, you know who had you know fallen over. Um, Manny Carolla, Hurricane Harris, and and Ralphie Ginsburg, who we meet later mm-hmm. on. Right. Uh, what was it like to develop uh, this cast around a primary character? Well, you know, a lot of them are based on on positions in the business, not exactly the the, the people, but the positions. Um, you know, uh, wrestling companies had bookers back then. Mm-hmm. So Hurricane Harris is the booker of uh, Eastern the Eastern Wrestling Association, which later becomes the Global Wrestling Corporation. And uh, the, these were, you know, things that would happen. These were people that occupy positions, you know, in, in, in the industry, and we just uh, fictionalize the. The, the the people in those positions. I, I will tell you, I did like I liked how the book provided interesting details on the wrestling industry, just as you just said. Mm-hmm. You know, varying on the size that you provide insight on the organization, the affiliate, the, the regionally run entities. Uh, you know, that would mm-hmm. uh, compete in uh, various territories. Uh, known talent, house shows, plus talking a little bit about press and TV coverage. I mean, how mm-hmm. much how much research did you did you put in versus you know the acquired knowledge you already had stored between your ears? It was all the acquired knowledge I had stored between my ears. It, it, the only research that I did was I used real places like Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, right. Jumbo Marks. That's a real place, right? That's a real building, and and wrestling was run there for years. And uh, so, so there are things in the book that are, are based on real, real places and real incidents and so forth. But so, so uh, I just uh, research was just getting certain facts and figures about those real places straight, and that was about it. The rest of it just just fell into place. Now it's worth a quick note is, is you you get a couple of pages in, and that there's a warning. There's a warning for folks that that mm-hmm. no part of this book. Uh, uh, that, that that basically this is a work of fiction, mm-hmm. unless unless otherwise indicated, and mm-hmm. that 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 these were all products of the author's imagination, and and so that that leads me to to talking a little bit about the introduction throughout the book of self made titans like Pat McDougal, uh, mm-hmm. Paul Proudworthy, uh, Stan mm-hmm. Martinson Jr., who later will team up and be the whipping boy of Ray Perlman, um, mm-hmm. and then later. Professor Al Sheridan, 
who mm-hmm. was, you know, uh, the, the landing spot for Ricky later on in Great mm-hmm. Western Wrestling, they're all reminiscent to me as somebody who follows um, um, sports entertainment of the mm-hmm. Vincent McMahon seniors and juniors, Ted Turner's, mm-hmm. and the Verd Garniers from the past. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was it? What was it like to, to create these individuals during your writing process? It was fun. I, I didn't want to do like a, a carbon copy of Vince McMahon. And right. I wanted those characters to have their own particular personalities and quirks and, and their own sets of circumstances that, that may or may not parallel real life. So, you know, it, it, it was relatively easy to do. But, you know, in, 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 in my bizarre world, the two national companies are, are pretty much equals in a lot of ways. Uh, there, there's no one that dominates the other. Right. Which is kind of an important thing. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of, you kind of, spe- you spell that out, you know, talking yeah. about how global they, they tended to, to trend towards the, the, the younger audience where the American Championship Wrestling or a, ACW mm-hmm. would, would mm-hmm. go for the hardcore people. Right. 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 Um, the traditional wrestling fan, you know. Right. Um, so, so the book, as as I may or may not have alluded to, follows the career of Rick, Ricky Pacheco from the start mm-hmm. out of of as a kid to later on, you know, learning how to wrestle with mm-hmm. a, a gentleman named Javier Javier uh, Jimenez, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, doing shows and, and getting good, and then later being told to to go elsewhere and gain some experience um, to even the, the you know. The creation and downfall of uh, being part of a popular tag team uh, mm-hmm. to even being forced to reinvent himself. Um, mm-hmm. Was it easy to be able to kind of create that roller coaster for this individual? Yeah. You know, that, that, that happens in wrestling sometimes where something happens and a, and a guy is forced to leave a place and then he has to reinvent himself. Mm. And it may be for a simple reason, like the place that he left has a trademark on his name. And now he can't use that. So he has to start over with a different name, maybe a different approach and a different gimmick. Uh, so, you know, that, that actually happens in wrestling, not, not quite like this, but uh, it does happen. So, you know, I, I wanted to write a book that was true to the business of professional wrestling without being fact-based. Well, I, I will tell you, you, I think I feel like reading this thing cover to cover, Mm-hmm. I I feel as though that you you succeeded and, and uh, even even and and I'm not one to to give anything away but you know even the last couple of chapters kind of had a, mm-hmm. a surprising a surprising turn that I didn't expect as 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 the reader and if somebody mm-hmm. wants mm-hmm. to find out you want to make sure that you purchase the last fall by Sheldon Goldberg uh, mm-hmm. that it's his his first novel um, I, I want to kind of again staying with uh, with Ricky. Uh, we actually saw the story, you know, have a little bit of a shakeup right around chapter 15, uh, where a deadly incident in- involving Ricky's tag team partner, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Peter Petroselli, mm-hmm. uh, a.k.a. Pistol Pete Powell, uh, mm-hmm. not only saw a main character lose their life, but also there was it was embroiled in controversy. How, mm-hmm. how important are, are the events that take place at this point in the book to the future of, of telling the story of Ricky as you move forward? Well, they're extremely important because now, through no fault of his own, he has to pivot and and and, and change the course of his career. Um, 
you know that and again in in wrestling in real life that often happens sometimes due to injuries sometimes due to you know just just losing your spot with a company and the, the company owns the trademark on your character and you can't use that character anymore so you've got to be you know something else someplace else so um you know, so so the concept of it is very true to life, while the actual uh, plot details are fiction. The the the, um, the 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 gist of it is something that could actually have taken place. Right. Then now it's it's interesting that it that that after these events take place, that he has to do he has to do with uh, Ricky has to do with many of us have to do, and that is to try to find a way to to move on. Even if there's there's nowhere to turn now, if I'm correct, mm-hmm. the place that he eventually turns is is synonymous with the title of the book. Am I right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, how did you come up with that? Well, uh, it, it was just um, uh, I, I thought about you know if if the guy can't get a job, where is he going to go? And I, I created this this obscure wrestling promotion in uh, a remote part of the country that served a bunch of small towns in 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 several states and uh, people thought it was like the, well the the, it, the reason that the book is called the last fall let me explain that please do the reason it's called the last fall is because this this company great western wrestling operated by this professor al sheridan is a place where old wrestlers go to get their last full-time run in the wrestling business. Mm. And in the trade, the, the promotion is referred to as the last fall because that's where those guys go to end their careers. It's the last place where they can make a full-time living in professional wrestling. The, the big companies, the big mainstream offices, don't want anything to do with these people, and they end up here. So, uh, and uh, when, when, when Ricky lands in great western wrestling in butte montana uh eight of the guys on the main roster are over 50 years old so you know this is not exactly you know uh, uh, a modern up-to-date at least in terms of the wrestling product not a modern up-to-date professional wrestling promotion it seems as though it seems as though your character is 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 definitely been blessed with with various father figures mm. throughout. Whether it was Sailor yep. or, or or Pearlman or, or even Professor L, you know right. that that he was he was lucky enough to have those individuals who would mm. who would impart wisdom onto the, onto onto the character. Right. This happens a lot in the wrestling business. You know, there are people that you latch on to, whether they're the guys that trained you or the guys that employ you. And uh, some of those people, um, you know, will impart their wisdom on you and you will carry that uh, like a Bible. So I, I would ask you, so you've had, have you had a chance to get this into some hands? What are the readers saying about uh, The Last Fall? I'm happy to tell you that it's, the book has gotten unanimous rave reviews, and I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that, and a little bit taken aback, actually, because I thought people would like it, but uh, I wasn't expecting all the superlatives and so forth, and uh, that, that's just a happy thing to have happen. Um, but uh, now I've, I've been very blessed in that in that regard. 
now do you think that this do you think this may have the potential to either spawn have you uh, spin another book or could this be something that uh, another media outlet could look at and go you know this could be you we've we all seen the wrestler right could this right. be you know the uh, you know the the second coming of the wrestler mm-hmm. yeah i both actually um one of my motivations for writing the way that i wrote it is I wanted to write a book that portrayed the wrestling business as truthfully as it could be portrayed. You know, a, a lot of these movies and television shows, they, they, they portray the wrestlers sometimes well, but not the wrestling business. And, and that was something that I was trying to achieve with this book and the way it was written. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a, a TV series on the Stars Network, it lasted a couple of seasons. It just got canceled. It's called Heels. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, starring uh, Stephen Amell. And uh, it was a very good series, but the wrestling business that it portrays has nothing to do with the wrestling business that actually exists. And I thought that was a flaw in, in the movie, that, that the uh, in the series, rather, that the, the, the business really isn't isn't portrayed in an accurate manner. Um, so I wanted to, to just put something out there that had a little bit more truth in it. I, I, I would think that Ricky is probably your the, the, your favorite as far as the book and the, and the different individuals throughout. Is there another favorite or two that you have in this book that you, you um, that when you, when you read or you, you look at, the individual's role in the mm-hmm. book that you're proud of? I'm proud of a lot of them. I'm proud of uh, uh, Rick Pacheco. I'm proud of Ralphie Ginsburg. I'm proud of Ray Perlman. I'm proud of uh, Lonnie LaRue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Cal Farmer. You know, they're, they're all interesting characters. You know, they're all, you know, uh, types of characters that you might run into in reality in professional wrestling. And, and there were some twists, like, you know, Lonnie LaRue is, like, becomes the biggest star in professional wrestling, and she's a woman, and this is the 90s, which is long before any woman would ever become the biggest star in pro wrestling. You had to wait another, you know, 15 years before that took place. So, uh, so there's a lot of things that I kind of play with in terms of, uh, uh, of history that uh, you can only do if you actually know that history. And uh, it, was, it was fun to write. A lot of fun to write. Now, now, have you heard from anybody who who has similar knowledge in in history in wrestling who who's read it and said, "My goodness, you're spot on." And they might go, uh, "Oh yeah, okay, oh yeah, 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 yeah." They're they're particularly impressed with how I, I uh, portrayed the territory days. Yeah, that was that was the thing that I I. I I enjoyed because I feel that you mm-hmm. articulated it quite well because, mm-hmm. you know, you had that. If you had the bigger, you know, the bigger outfits that would come in and they may try to force you to go, okay, you want to join with us. This is what's going to happen. Some said, mm, mm-hmm. okay. And others said, yeah, no, we, we would rather not. We'd rather just kind of bite the bullet and, you know, see what happens. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and that's why I also mentioned, you know, Vern Gagne, you know, I mean, we know back in the day, you know, right. AWA, you know, he, that was kind of, that was his baby, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And knowing that there are different territories, it's just, it's, it's totally interesting. So have you started a new project yet? Are you waiting for this one to kind of really, you know, uh, hit its heights and, and um, see where it goes. 
Well, you know, when you, you publish a book yourself, you, the, the promotion of that book is all on your shoulders. So I'm spending a lot of time doing appearances like this and, and uh, you know, trying to get the book into the hands of people that I think could be beneficial to it and uh, just, you know, promoting it in different ways. So, uh, so there's, there's still work to be done. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about a sequel to this, Ooh. and uh, I've got a video project that I'm, I'm in the middle of, too, that I'm, uh, uh, I think after the first of the year we'll really start to tackle in earnest. But, uh, but uh, this, this uh, promoting the book right now is where I'm at. So, so, so what was it like when you got your, your first box you know, uh, full of copies of The Last Fall? What was that like for you? I cried. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, my my parents are gone. If they, my parents could have seen, you know, that they would have been overjoyed. You know, and it's something different. You know, it's uh, I, I didn't even know if I could actually write a novel and pull it off. You know, I I never had the time to really tackle it until uh, I retired from my regular job last May, and that had a lot to do with my. Uh, my health situation. I'm, I'm a dialysis patient. My kidneys failed on a flight back home to Boston about 14 months ago. And, um, you know, I, I knew that my lifestyle was going to change. And uh, when I get out of the hospital, I was in the hospital for about a month. And I get out of the hospital and I go, oh, I go back to work. I was working for an insurance company. I was working a 40-hour week. So a 40-hour week and then 12 hours a week of dialysis. It was just grueling. And I, I made the decision that I was going to come up with an end date and retire from that job and then uh, kind of devote my time to the things that I really, really wanted to do because I knew that if I kept going that way, I wasn't going to get any of it done. So uh, once I left that job, I started to, to, to mull around and think about what kind of projects I wanted to do, and, and this was one of them. So here we are. So I have to ask, if I was to, is there a particular character in the book that might be Sheldon Goldberg-esque? No. Really? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. See, I would, I would, I would peg you for more like a, like a, a Ralphie uh, a Ginsburg. No, no, Ralphie's, uh, he, he's, he's uh, no. No? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, smart, it, savvy. I, I get a lot of people who read the book calling me up, saying or messaging me, saying, "Oh, uh, Ralphie is this guy, or Ray Perlman is this guy," and and they're all like way, way off base, okay. and it, it, it's funny to me. But it's great because it shows that they're thinking about what they're reading, and and you know. Well, yeah, I, that's good. I, I want to congratulate you again uh, on a, a well-crafted, well-read book. It's a, it's an easy read. It's a, a fun mm-hmm. and it's and again, this is you get you know you captured by what's going on and the and the mm-hmm. different folks you know the different individuals that are that are intertwined in this right. fantastic business known as professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's unique. That's for sure. All right, so this is time for you to swing for the fences here. Folks want to be able to purchase a pit, uh, one, one of these uh, novels, The Last Fall. Well, how can they do that? Well, there are two ways of doing it. You can go on Amazon and just look up The Last Fall, Sheldon Goldberg, and you'll find the book, and you can order it that way. It's available in paperback and for Kindle. But if you want an autographed copy, you can go to necw.tv slash events. 
and uh, there's a link there where you can get an autographed copy. I'll send you a, a personally signed copy. That's a, that's amazing, and, and I want to thank you for uh, being willing to kind of talk to me about this book, sharing the details, and then uh, letting me get an opportunity to uh, to, to read it and, uh, and and chat with you about it. My pleasure. Anything you want to say in closing as we uh, get ready to uh, hit the post and go home? Well, I just I hope you get the book, and I hope you enjoy it because uh, the point of the book is entertainment. And I hope you're, you'll be entertained by it. I think most people have been up to this point, and I hope you'll be one of them when you're done reading it. Excellent. There he is. Well, let's, let's have you back on uh, soon in the near future just to kind of talk more and kind of keep you in the conversation. Sounds good. All right. There he is. Sheldon Goldberg, uh, our guest, to talk with him about his novel, The Last Fall. And uh, listen, you know, if you're looking for a great gift for the holidays, we had Casey Sherman in here earlier who's written several books check out his book check out sheldon goldberg's book the last fall you will not be disappointed uh, a fantastic read as well uh as he told you go on amazon you'll be able to check it out and and order it and he'll even sign it if you go to um uh the necw.com website so keep that in mind and the other thing i want to throw out as a quick plug is we have fantastic sponsors whether it's here on this radio show or it's uh, on on the radio station uh, if you're thinking of gifts during the, the holiday season, think of getting gift cards from any of our uh, our sponsors, um, especially here at Monday Night Talk. Uh, you know, we have McGuigan's Pub with a patio. Stop by. You won't be disappointed. Until next week at 6.15 p.m., have yourself a great night. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. 95.9 WATD-FM Marshfield and 95.9 WATD.com.